Hey everyone, David here. I want to tell you about my music podcast, On Rotation. It's engaging, interactive, and insightful. Music mm-hmm. entwines with everything. It's something that always rings true to me. So when I need something to kind of root me, I can always go back to music in a sense, you know? Yeah. Join me each episode as we rotate through a number of topics and hear why it's the podcast that's always on replay and never on repeat. Listen to On Rotation wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In order to be able to help others make connections with music, you have to be able to really delve into the work yourself. Music can be kind of a gateway to communication. You have to be able to understand what the music can do for you. If you find that one song, that one interest with someone, that opens up a dialogue. I would be surprised to meet someone who didn't have an emotional connection to music. It's my happy place. It really is just that one thing that's solely mine. I'm glad that I have music to rely on. Music just helps everyone hey everybody what's up what's happening you are currently listening to taylor swift's new version of her 2008 original hit love story you're also listening to on rotation the podcast that's always on replay and never on repeat thanks for tuning in today my name is david i'll be your host and lovely guide the reason you are listening to taylor swift's new version it's actually literally called taylor's version of love story It's because she just announced that she is re-recording her whole entire Fearless album. And I had two guests on my podcast with me this past week to talk about the importance of this new music that Taylor is putting out and her career as a whole. I am here with two of the Kendrick sisters, arguably the most important Kendrick sisters, because you're the only two that I'm closest to out of the five siblings. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm with Jacqueline and Elena. Welcome to Honor Tation. So happy to be here. I'm very excited to have you guys talking about Taylor Swift and whatnot. And we just talked about this too, but let's talk about it again. Who's the bigger Taylor Swift fan and why of the two of you? Definitely Jacqueline. Well, I do love her maybe equally, but I'm not as vocal about it. Like Jacqueline always messages our family, our friends, like multiple (laughs) times a week about Taylor news, all that kind of stuff. I love her as an artist, but I'm not like always following every single thing she does unless I hear about it online and I just kind of love her from like a distance yeah Yeah. that's true I am very vocal about my love for Taylor Swift I don't care if I'm talking to a stranger or if I'm talking to like my sister like if something happens big I want to like talk to people about her and I think that's true because anytime you and I hang out you always try to get me more and more into Taylor Swift that is absolutely true there's a lot of people in my life I feel like who aren't as big as Taylor Swift fans, which is totally fine. But I just I almost want to convert them. You know, it's okay if you don't like love her music. But I don't know, I'm always gonna try. (laughs) I mean, that's fine. Like, I never denounce her as an artist or as an influencer. I think she's great. I think she's done really good things for women in music specifically and her fan base. 
But when did you guys first kind of start to get into Taylor Swift and her music? Basically, oh since gosh. she started. I remember listening to like her very first album and like her, she always was really good at her music videos. Those are always a really big thing. And I remember listening to or watching, the, I think it was Teardrops in My Guitar video. And we were, ever since she was like country, we were super into her yes. music. And she had like a sparkly guitar that she used to like perform with during like live shows and as yeah. like what well, we were probably in early middle school we saw that we were like who is this girl like she is so cool yeah so and she was always on you know the award shows as she got bigger and making or accepting her awards and speeches and that's kind of how she like blew up yeah and I remember like Elena had like a, a purple iPod touch and hmm. she had her I think what was it her fearless album on there and we used yeah. to like going to school in the mornings on the bus, I didn't have an iPod, Alina did. And we would split our time listening to that album. Like she would listen to a few songs and then I would, and we'd go back and forth. So why did Alina have the iPod and not you? You know what? I got it as a present for my birthday from my uncle. Yeah, her godfather. So that's why. Like the iPod Nano, yeah. So our love goes way back. And the first time we saw her live was her speak now tour so I think we were we must have been like seventh or eighth grade then or maybe I don't even know what year it was, was like yeah it was some mid- middle late middle school I would say so from then it just kept growing of course and obviously you guys are a year apart you know in mm-hmm. grades and in age give or take so you guys kind of grew up around that same time that she was really up and coming. I saw earlier too um I did watch the documentary Miss Americana and um yeah, like she kind of addresses her fans as saying like they grew up with her, you know, and I feel like you guys can test to that. Absolutely. Yeah. Even right now, like if you look on TikTok, they have like all of her fans are so excited about this new music she's putting out and like re-recording a new album. And it's funny because like so many of the TikToks are like, oh, this is me listening to her album back in like whatever. Or it's just them like reacting to her old music, but in a new way. And I think it's really cool. Yeah, I feel the same exact way. I know it's so nostalgic and like her lyrics. I think that's the thing that stands out the most is like she's able to as like a young teenager put into words like heartbreak, pain, like romance, like all these things that you're going through as like, you know, your teenage years, but in such an eloquent way that like you wouldn't be able to say yourself. But Taylor does it so perfectly and it just resonates so deeply with so many people, I feel like. So she's like an older sister in a way. I think so many people like just really value her songwriting ability is really what stands out I feel like the most on top of her just being a really caring and awesome like idol because she's so good with her fans too yeah and Alina that's good that you mentioned the release of her new music and what she's been putting out because we're gonna dive right into that she just announced literally like two days ago how she's putting out the whole Fearless album again but this time it's her take and she even said it's like Taylor's version So what do you think that means for her? Like, obviously, she's gone through a whole lot with her record company and her manager and like basically losing all the rights to her, like all of her music. So what do you think this means to her? I think it's it's a really interesting thing because it obviously must mean so much to her. But I think she's looking at it through like a larger scope and a larger lens that like she's fighting for the rights of future artists and her fellow artists right now who might find themselves in a similar predicament that she is and I think it's really inspiring and I think it's also like really artistically rewarding for her now being like a 30 year old adult going to relive this part of her life that was so influential I think 
that's a really unique perspective and not many people get to do that. And I think she's just so excited to share it with her fans and allow us to relive those amazing moments that we had with her music. So I think so much of it's full circle and no one's ever done this before. From my knowledge, I've never seen an artist go back and record their own music and fight for the rights of their masters the way she has been so vocal about it. So I don't know. I'm just so excited. And I think it's amazing that she's doing this. Yeah. And I think it's a good message too. Like she kind of said she doesn't want the people who basically are in control of the music to stay in control of it. She wants to, you know, take it into her own hands, which I mm-hmm. think is like a good message and saying, like we said, she's just a good role model, role model for <laughs> women and sticking up for yourself. And yeah. Cause she could have easily just like gave up and been like, you know what, whatever, like it is what it is, but that's not what her response was. She is like actively yeah. fighting back, which is so cool. Yeah, she seems very tenacious, and she seems like she doesn't give in very easily. And from also watching the documentary, which I did at work today, that's why it's very fresh in my mind. <laughs> I prepared for this, just so you guys know. From watching the documentary, you can tell that she, and she's very vocal about it too, she was kind of kept quiet for so long because she felt like she had to please people, or she felt like she kind of had to be that little sweet like teenage girl that didn't want to get involved in anything. And then, of course, when 2009 happened... With the whole Connie situation and him getting up on the stage and taking the mic away from her, that was kind of a really pivotal moment for her in her career. And she started to think, you know, maybe I do need to stand up and maybe I do need to, like, not do what everyone is expecting me to do. And do you yeah. think, like, she's done that more and more as her career has gone on? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think there's definitely been times where she's kind of, like, gone off the grid and people are like, where is she? Like, she hasn't put anything out or, like, she, you don't see her in the news or the press or anything and I think that happened like after certain scandals came out like with her and Kanye or like the stuff with Kanye's song famous about her and like the whole Kanye and Kim drama so she like was kind of quiet about that and like even when she like gets into new relationships or like her current relationship like you didn't you don't see them out together as much anymore as like when she used to be in like all those relationships when she was younger Mm -hmm. but then she like comes out of nowhere and like has like reputation like coming at all of these like haters and addressing yeah. it in like such a cool way that it's not like mm-hmm. she's it's not like she's being petty but it's like she's sticking up for, for herself even though you thought like she was kind of hiding from it yeah and she's like using her music too to do it which is like the coolest yeah. part like she's in like social media or yeah like, or like going on interviews and like talking about these people like it's almost like fans can get that inside scoop with her life through her music and try to put together the pieces which is always fun and like her she's known for easter eggs which is really cool could you actually explain that a little bit more yeah so her easter eggs taylor has this thing where she loves to give fans subtle hints that could be through like maybe an instagram post she puts out maybe in a music video um or what else has she done in one of her like sometimes even just through her songs itself like you could pick up on like some of the lyrics there And I think she just likes to keep fans on their toes. And it's a really cool way to like follow her life without her having the pressure of having to like come out and make comments about things. She does do that, you know, here and there, especially things that are like really important to her, like the whole um, mastery of her music and stuff. But yeah, I think it's like a cool touch that she does with her fans. That's, you know, a lot different than what other some other artists do when they're promoting their music. She uses a lot of numbers and like, letters symbols yeah a lot of symbolism like her favorite number is 13 and a lot of like her music and big breaks happen on like either something that has to do with like 13 or Mm -hmm. um like in her 
latest statement about coming out with like the new music she like capitalized certain letters that like spelled out like april i forget what the date was april 9th april 9th yeah yeah. so it's like she didn't come out and say like oh this is when it's coming out but all of her fans are super smart and they kind of like detect it so it's fun i actually went back and i saw the statement again and i picked up on that and i was like wait a minute that's a really cool way of alluding at something Mm -hmm. yeah she's very she's so smart that's the thing too yeah it's awesome and something else too, Elena, that you pointed out is that she does often go off the grid in between projects that she puts out. I think that's kind of a testament too to her just like throwing herself into her music. Because mm-hmm. another part that I saw in the documentary was that she talks about how every time she needs to put out a project, like she's obviously under a lot of pressure already from like management and the record companies and like fans. Like she basically said anything that she puts out, if it's not as successful as the last, it's like a failure, like a colossal failure. So how do you think she's been able to stay on top of her game and just coming back every time with something that's just incredible and people love? Like I said, like when she used to put out her older albums, there was a lot of planning that went into it. So she would like, like we said, plan like dates and um, her tours around it. And she would do like, just like there was just a lot of time in between it. And then starting with like the lover album she had three albums come out within what like two years like super quick and so she was kind of just doing things the way that she wanted to do it and like not following like a like a normal how normal artists put out their music Mm -hmm. she was just kind of like well i think covid i think she said in her documentary that like or the one on um disney plus that Mm -hmm. like with covid and everything she realized like there's no need for that like she just wants to be an artist and put out the work that she works on and yeah that she's proud of I think that's cool because it's like you don't always need to be like playing games with people and like it's cool to like promote your music and get people excited about it but like no matter what she does her fan like she has such a strong fan base that like she's going to be successful anyway so it's like she's just doing it to do it and I think that's cool Mm -hmm. yeah that's how I view her career too is like no matter what she puts out she's going to have success behind it because yeah. she does have the fan base and she's had people that have supported her for so long. And I love the fact that her mom has been like her day one mm-hmm. and that that's someone she's always fallen back on. She mm-hmm. was talking about it too, how, you know, when she won a certain award, I can't remember off the top of my head, but she won like a certain award and she was like, I feel like I should have somebody to call, like somebody to tell this. And obviously she's like, I have my mom, but like, yeah, I would like to have, you know, like someone. And I think the joke is that Taylor Swift was that girl that always wrote about her exes. So what do you guys think about that stereotype? I feel like it bothers me a lot because thinking about like gender disparities, like in the music industry, and I think she's come out vocally and said this in the past, like, you know, there's artists like Ed Sheeran and Bruno Mars and, you know, male artists who talk about similar things that Taylor does in her songs, like heartbreak, pain, romance. And then when Taylor does it, when she was growing up, she always got so much backlash about that. Like, oh, she's moved on to another boyfriend. Like she has another breakup. Why does she keep writing these breakup songs like this and that? And I don't know, a lot of people were, you know, giving her a lot of hate for that when there's been males in the industry have done the same thing. And they're almost like praised for that so there definitely is like that double standard there which is unfortunate and that's too when she was really young in the music industry as well but I still think some people still view Taylor as her like teenage self when they hear her name just because they haven't been following her along this journey like a lot of her dedicated fans have so I feel like immediately when you hear the name Taylor Swift some people are immediately just going to think of her like lovey-dovey like speak now fearless albums and I feel like a lot of people like a small 
maybe a small portion of like her fan base. Some people say like, oh, I love old Taylor, but I don't love new Taylor. And it's like, they're comparing the two, but it's just like, she's just evolved as an artist. And I yeah. think like that happens regardless to any artist, but like she specifically is like pointed out for that. Mm-hmm. And I think like, she will probably always be known as like someone who wrote a lot of like breakup songs, but like her new music, although she does still write about previous heartbreaks or like her current relationship and like what's going on in her life now, she also does a lot of like more creativity in her songwriting. Mm-hmm. Like for example, like Betty, she talks, she like puts like store or like just the whole folklore album. She like uses it as a way to tell other people's stories. And it's not just about yeah. love. It's about like their life and like, yeah. all this cool stuff so mm-hmm. yeah her imagination was just so vast with that album like there's a song on there about the house that she lives in in Rhode Island there's like songs about her um grandparents like just you know different types of music that isn't necessarily just love stories anymore which is really cool and I don't know it's it's different for her I think she feels like almost relieved as an artist because she must feel so much pressure to have to keep putting out like amazing like love songs because again Probably, that's what she's yeah. like, for. But I think she's said this in her Disney Plus documentary that she feels so artistically reinvented in a way, I guess you can say. Like she just feels so released now that she has people like when she writes about like other things besides her life, because that's obviously, you know, fans want to see that, but now that she knows that fans are behind when she can write other stuff, I think she's like really happy about that. Do you think there's a distinct line you could draw in her career when she really fully changed or completely kind of took a different direction? And you could say more than once. I kind of decided if it would be Red or if it'd be 1989. Red was almost like the buffer between when she was doing like country pop type of music to like more experimenting with just like, I guess, standard pop. Yeah. I think that was a major shift for her, in my opinion. I feel like that was the sound like, was different. I feel like those albums were like on the upcline, the incline, <laughs> In- and then upswing, the whatever word you like to use for elevating things. The peak was like reputation because that was just like oh, a completely a different sound. It wasn't country, it was like popish, but like not really. Yeah. And then after that, lo- what was after that? Lover, Lover had some and then pop, like some folklore swimmer. and evermore, just like different they're all like completely different in their own so yeah and that's the thing too is like she almost like treats her albums as eras in a way so a lot of taylor swift fans will refer to like the reputation era the lover era the red era which is kind of cool because it's like they're so distinct like you can see crossover in some of her albums but they're also like have such a different sound even like folklore and evermore which are technically supposed to be sister albums in my opinion they have very different vibes to them at times yeah why is that would you say I don't know I think maybe also has to do with like when she put out the music like to me when I think of folklore I'm thinking of like summer young love it was again it came out like what in July or something when no one knew she'd been working on this for months during quarantine I almost like associate them with seasons in a way and then when I get to Evermore it's kind of the sound to me is a little bit more, I guess, depressing in a way and like more like winter, like um, more, I guess, sadder songs to me. I don't know. Yeah. That's how I kind of view them. I don't know. I just like them all. <laughs> simply said, simply yeah. said. You have to listen to all of them is what Elena's saying. You can't pick one. Pretty much, yeah. Well, could but- you ever pick one album that you would say is your favorite or is that too hard? It's too hard for me. <laughs> I have certain like songs from each album that are like, my favorites 
Mm-hmm. But my overall favorite album is really hard. I feel like newer album, my favorite is probably Folklore. And then older albums, it's probably probably Fearless because that's like her OG stuff. And like you can listen to that whenever and it'll bring you back to like mm-hmm. that time. So like that's probably and that time. So excited about her recording <laughs> it. I can't wait. What do we think about the um the love story mix that she just put out? It's almost exactly the same, I would say. Like I listened to mm-hmm. it and I would thought it was gonna be like for yeah. some reason I thought she was gonna do a completely different take on it, but it almost sounds exactly the same, right? Yeah. It I, pretty much sounds the same, but there's like little slight differences mm-hmm. that like you probably like the first time you hear it, like you wouldn't even pick up on, but then when you like compare them you can kind of tell. But I'm glad that she's not really changing them like drastically because I feel like fans would be upset by that because yeah it'll be like because it's her like Taylor's version so it would be kind of like she's maybe dissing like her original music and like that's what everyone loved and like started to like love her for so yeah I think one thing she might do though is there's a few of her songs like especially the really um upbeat like pop songs that she has performed as like acoustic versions like at concerts that fans have like really loved i'm wondering if she'll do any of that like change it to a little bit slower pace i think that would be cool but i agree i think that she's trying to really honor and bring justice to those amazing songs that she created that fans love with trying to put little subtle differences and stuff in there so I'm really excited to see what she ends up doing with all the albums. And I don't know, Fearless is just so iconic. And I'm really excited for the rest of it to come out on April 9th. Yeah, because she phrased it as it having 26 new songs. So I think that's kind of safe to assume that she is re-recording every single song and then some. Like there's going to be like four or five songs that she said that for whatever reason, her management didn't think they were like single worthy or worthy of making it on the album that, you know, now she's like, screw it. I don't care. These songs are good. I wrote them. I want them on this version. And she has some unreleased songs on YouTube from her younger days. And I remember she has this one song called I'd Lie. So good. I used to play it on YouTube because that was the only audio you can get of it. You know, it was so annoying to like have to listen to YouTube like that. But I just love the song so much. I'm really hoping that's on it, but who knows? It's funny because a lot of times people don't realize how much unrecorded material artists actually have that doesn't get put out because of management and because of record labels saying that's not going to sell. That's not going to hit different with the audiences. Like, But the artists would fight for that. And Taylor Swift is definitely one of those artists that now she can. like She can put out those unreleased, untitled works that haven't been heard by everybody. And I, I wouldn't be surprised... Um, if one of those songs ended up being like her next hit. Right. I know. It's so cool. And I I think, too, like when you see Folklore and Evermore, which are her latest albums she put out that are like totally her, you can tell that there are so much longer albums, too. Like she wasn't afraid to just like dive in there and put out as many songs as she possibly wrote in that span of time, which is really cool. I also heard this online. I'm not I don't know. Haven't done too much research about it yet, but. I heard from the grapevine that these re-recorded albums will be like eligible for awards like during like Grammy seasons and stuff, which is cool. That would be cool. That would be cool. I'd love to see like Fearless win up <laughs> her version of Fearless win another Grammy or something. Yeah, that'd be like a huge slap in the face to her old like management. Right. <laughs> You're like, look at me now. <laughs> and she also talked about too in the statement she put out how these were songs. I think Jacqueline, you kind of mentioned it from her younger mm-hmm 
ages or when she was young she said they were mostly written between the ages of 16 and 18 i believe yeah and this is a chance for her to like go back and to relive that time period so what do you think this says for her as an artist who's been in the music industry for so long and also started out in it so young i think this is just like an opportunity for her to not only reclaim her identity as like a singer songwriter but like i was saying before like take uh try to pave the way and change how the whole artist rights work in the music industry, which I think is awesome. Like I said, I think it'll be personally artistically fulfilling for her, but then also it serves like this larger purpose overall. I'm also excited to see how other artists react to this as well. I haven't seen many statements put out by other artists, but I can assume that once the full album is released or when she continues to put out her re-recordings, what kind of response that's going to be getting from the larger like music industry community. And I know she has a lot of supporters too in the industry. So also a lot of haters. So <laughs> I'm really interested to see like how it all plays out. But I think I think she's doing, you know, a really smart move here with doing it and everything. So, you know. Yeah. I'm sure her ex-boyfriends that she wrote all the songs <laughs> about are probably not very happy that they're coming yeah, out. Yeah, they're like, oh. <laughs> but I think it's kind of funny. Because... Yeah, but it's also such a testimony. Like, I don't know. I don't think they really highlighted it in the Miss Americana documentary that you watched, Dave, but... On her latest albums, Folklore and Evermore, her current boyfriend, Joe Alwyn, served as a co-writer on those albums. So I feel like it's just so full circle now that she's like in such a healthy, stable relationship with this awesome guy who also like is writing music with her. I don't know. It's so cool to me. No, that is. It definitely sounds like a full circle, like you said. Yeah. Like she's used to go writing about the guys that she had heartbreaks about. Now she's writing with a guy that she's in love with. (laughs) Who are those artists that you think are her biggest supporters in the industry? Because I personally, like, obviously, I don't follow her that closely, but I haven't seen a lot of artists really support her, at least, like, very outwardly and vocally. But who are those artists that you would say are her big supporters? I think, number one, Selena Gomez. They've been tight for a very long time, ever since they dated the Jonas Brothers, like, um, during, like, their early days. Um... I know Camila Cabello has been outwardly um, supporting Taylor. I think Halsey. Um, I know Brendan Urie, I think his name is, from Panic at, Panic the, at the Disco. I think it Sharon's supports Taylor, but I haven't seen any like public statement that he's put out about it specifically. But they've like, written and worked together. Yeah. A lot of like other celebrities, too, who aren't yeah. like, songwriters or singers like mm-hmm. Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds are like super close friends of hers. Yeah, Gigi Hadid, I think, has put out a statement before when it was, like, peak drama with her former management and stuff. So, yeah, some really cool people are in her in her corner with this stuff. But then there's obviously going to be other artists, like, who are influenced by people in the music industry, like Scooter Braun, who she has a lot of drama with, who probably are not too fond of what's been happening, is what I can assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I know... He also manages like Justin Bieber, yeah. Demi Lovato, uh, Ariana, and the only one I really heard speak out about it was Justin Bieber. When was that last year or something? Yeah. And there was like some drama with that, but I haven't heard anything from like Demi or Ariana. Yeah, but maybe they just have different experiences with him. I don't know. So, and that brings into mind the conversation about Taylor as a voice for other women too, mm-hmm. because she did have that lawsuit with that one radio personality that assaulted her like on the carpet or whatever or taking photos 
Yeah. So what are some instances that you think of Taylor Swift as an activist? I think that's a really great example of it, like showing other females and women that that's not okay. If you ever are in a situation like that, it's okay to stand up for yourself in those moments, especially because she said like in her documentary, like it was on camera. They have a photo of it happening yeah. and she still had to like jump through hoops to like mm-hmm. basically win the case. And it's crazy because she's, she's okay. famous. She has such a big name. She has all these like supporters. You would think people would believe her, but literally so it's like if, what do you think would happen to someone who isn't famous or did it wasn't caught on camera like mm-hmm. it would have been a completely different situation yeah so, yeah, yeah. I think that and then also she's very like supportive of the lgbtq community like her what was that song um, meet now you need to calm down yes that one and she did like a whole music video like in support of that community and she had a lot of um like artists in her music video and like I mentioned in her documentary how she used to never talk about politics and like where she stood and a lot of people would assume like what her party was and now she's like more vocal about her opinions and tries to kind of talk to her fans when she like thinks something is wrong or so I think that's cool because it's not like she's persuading people but she's saying like this is what I believe and I think this is wrong and Mm -hmm. so I think that's cool as a role model to do. Do you think she's going to continue on that trend as she keeps going into the industry? I would think so. Yeah, I think now that she's like found her voice and feels comfortable speaking up about this stuff and is not so much concerned about what her team is going to say about it, what her following will will think, I think she's going to continue to go down the path where she's more outspoken about these things. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. Before I let you finish up here, mm-hmm. What do you think you are most excited about the new release, the new and improved version, we should say, of Fearless? I am most excited about, well, I guess it wouldn't be on this album, but my favorite Taylor Swift song of all time is All Too Well, which is on, what album is that on Red? Mm-hmm. Or, I think it's on Red. It, it is, is on-, on the Red album, I do know that. <laughs> <laughs> it's the greatest song of all time, and I'm really excited for her to re-release that. I don't know when that will happen. But yeah. until then, I will enjoy her other OG songs. Yeah. Well, probably, I feel like a lot of friend groups will be having, like, parties. I'm sure there'll be a lot of, like, we TikToks. Yeah. So I'm excited. I'm excited, too. We're definitely having a party once Fearless comes out, for sure. Yeah, I'm just most excited about reliving my childhood days. And, like I said, seeing some of the unreleased stuff that she's put out. I think that's going to be really cool. That definitely would be cool. I think it'd be a chance for all of us to go back to our middle school days. Maybe if Elena still has that purple iPod, you should definitely pull it out. I, I know. I, I wish. I That'd be so... You don't have it anymore? No, I have no clue where that thing went. Come on. Right? You should have kept it. You don't give it to your mom. Like, my mom took my old iPod Nano. I think she still has it. Really? I, I'm sure it, like, got thrown out sometime, like, between moving from, like, different houses and stuff, but... <laughs> I wish I still had it because I was obsessed with that thing. It's the biggest excuse in the world. I lost it in the move. It's true. Oh my gosh. That's just so funny. I just think that's hysterical that you had to share the iPod Nano. I know. That would be like, all right, my turn. (laughs) Like, even when we had like our first cell phones, like not iPhones, but like flip phones, I would like record the music from like the radio and then like set it as my ringtone. Oh yeah. And then like if if there was like, you had to like retake it. Oh my god, the struggle. So funny. Crazy, like, yeah, that's another part of it, I guess, that's insane. It's like, 
when Taylor put out this album, like how just technology has evolved and like streaming, like there was no just thing as Spotify, Apple Music. Yeah, that's a whole other component you can think about too, is the impact that streaming services are going to have for her. Yeah, because we know. used to just like run to the store and hope that her album was there and buy right? it and play it in the car. Mm-hmm. Like actual physical DVDs, like her Speak Now album was like, the album when we were in high school and I remember every single day my mom drove us to school we live about like 25 minutes from our high school so it was like a decent drive and we would put on the Taylor Swift album and listen to it the entire way to school my mom was a saint that she let us do that every single day without us getting annoyed telling us to not listen to it anymore would you still buy a physical copy of her album like if this fearless album comes out in a cd I would maybe I feel like her when she puts out like the they call vinyl records like those are cool because those are like collectibles you know they're kind of expensive um i actually got my mom a record player for christmas so i could use it now Ooh, i think that would be kind of cool because i definitely know people that still go to target and buy you know the target version that has like bonus tracks and things like that so i feel like people especially taylor swift fans would still go to the store and like have that anticipation of buying the actual physical copy yeah, I definitely think so. I'm going to shout out my friend Lindsay Tarbox because she is the biggest Taylor Swift fan I know and friend I know in my group. She would 100% do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. She has all the Taylor Swift fan accounts. Yes. She sat front row at her concerts. She touched her hand. She's the biggest Swiftie. So shout out to Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> big Swifties, big Swifties all around. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks again. The Kendrick sisters tackle Taylor Swift, we'll say. We love it. And we are so happy to be on this podcast. You do such a great job, Dave. So thanks for having us. Uh, Thank you. Ariana Grande just released her deluxe version of the Positions album. The original version of the album came out last year in October. So that album is still on the charts. She's got a couple singles still on the top 10. This time with the deluxe, she put out a few new tracks. So here with me today is Alex Molly, and we're gonna review Ariana Grande's deluxe version of Positions. Hey, Alex. Hi, David. How you doing? I'm doing well. First off, I just want to know on a scale from one to 10, if you can even put it on that, how big of an Ariana Grande fan would you say you are? I can't put that on there. Like, it's just not a question. It's not a question. It's just a number one thing. Literally on my Spotify, you look at it and the year end chart every year from 2013 to now, Ariana's the number one artist. Her songs like occupy my top tens. Like it's constant. Yeah, I think that's a great thing that Spotify rap does for us. It's reminding us of our obsessions each and every year. Absolutely. (laughs) And when did you, have you followed her from the beginning of her career, would you say? I would say that like, I saw some videos of her singing when she was on Nickelodeon. I always thought she was really talented. It was when she kind of came out in 2013 with her debut album, and it was the perfect pop R&B like blend. Um, her voice, she took on this like her new personalized vocal style. People were comparing her to like Mariah Carey because of the notes she could hit and um, how it was powerful but soft. I don't know. I just I just fell in love with it instantly and that's when I began to follow her and she's never really disappointed me since so I'm still here yeah I agree with all that like I was really into her first album when it came out back in 2013 yours truly I have that Mm -hmm. album actually I have the physical copy 
And it's funny that you mentioned Ariana Grande and Mariah Carey, that comparison, because that definitely has been thrown around a lot, like in terms of their singing capabilities and the style of their music. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like Mariah kind of carried that 90s like R&B vibe and she, you know, kind of brought it into the limelight. And then Ariana really pays tribute to that. And you can hear her Mariah's influence in her music and the way that she sings and yeah, I'm a big fan of both artists, so that was really great to hear, too. And how have you seen Ariana kind of progress over her career? Like, she's done a couple of different things, obviously, since Yours Truly. And now, with, I think with the Positions album, she's kind of going back to that style of music, like that 90s-influenced R&B that you were talking about. Absolutely. I think she's definitely tried a lot of different styles, I would say, but it went, it kind of went from, like, the 90s R&B and then she moved more into like radio pop on My Everything, Dangerous Woman. And then I think it was when Sweetener came out that she started to really take on her own artistry, like put her own thoughts, feelings, and what was happening in her life, in her music. I mean, she's somebody who I feel like has been through a lot of public trauma and she has showcased how she um, moved past it in her music. So I think the last three albums that she did, Sweetener, Thank You, Next, Positions, there's a clear storyline. So I think she has definitely evolved more so as an artist, but also as a singer. I feel, I feel like her voice sounds the most mature it ever has on this album as well. And what do you think would be, I think there's obviously a couple, but what do you think are some main themes on the Positions album? Well, in the beginning, I think she talks more about like, like in the song Off the Table, she kind of talks about how she doesn't know if love's going to be possible after a uh, loss. Moving forward, it kind of moves into a 6.30 safety net. She's talking about how she is falling in love, but she's a little bit scared about it. She doesn't know how it's going to turn out, but she's kind of letting it happen. And then it moves into the last couple songs on the album that kind of talk about coming to terms with the fact that she's in love and that she's confident with it and that she's going to embrace it so I feel like it's all about her growth and her accepting the fact that you know love is happening and it's becoming a thing in her life again that she doesn't need to fear and just embrace it so I feel like that's the main theme of the positions album I think that's a good way to put it there definitely is when you listen to it and I listened to it again obviously before doing this because I needed to brush up on my Ariana Grande music and Mm -hmm. You definitely can get that sense that the album, it kind of progresses as each track comes along. And there's a greater message to like the whole set list as you keep going through it. Absolutely. So to talk a little bit more about the Positions Deluxe, Ariana, she first mentioned the announcement of the Deluxe version coming out on February 9th. And then on February 15th, I saw on her Instagram that she announced the track list. She also put out the remix of 3435 with Doja Cat and Meg The Stallion which is a really good remix, by the way. Like, I really, really like it. I'm not a huge Ariana Grande fan. Like, Mm -hmm. I do like certain parts of her career more than others. But that remix was, it came very highly recommended. So I had to give it, (laughs) I had to give it a listen. And I really, really liked it. And I'm really curious because I feel like Ariana Grande is one of those artists, at least she has been more recently with her work, where she doesn't promote it as much. I feel like she's very subtle and putting Mm -hmm. her music out like even when she put out from what I can remember when she put out the original version of the positions album it was just kind of like a simple Instagram post or tweet or however else she does it from like a week before 
even though like i think she yeah. dropped didn't she drop like the single and the album and the album release date in the same day she dropped uh the song positions i think it was a week before the album i think she dropped positions on the 23rd of october and then she dropped the album positions on the 30th yeah i think i remember it that way and as i kind of expected it with her both of them debuted at number one the album and the single so that was mm -hmm. definitely huge but also not surprising for someone like ariana grande who has the fan base no yeah and i also feel like that's part of why she doesn't promote as much because i feel like just her name recognition right now like you see how many monthly listeners she has on spotify she's like one of the top and so all she got to do is make the announcement and that'll carry itself she promotes her dogs more than her music <laughs> yeah she she definitely and like, I don't know if she still does it. I don't know her personal life as well. Like I said, I don't follow her as closely, but she used to post a lot with her Nana, which I thought was really, really cute. Yeah, no, it's super cute. I, lo I love how much she kind of embraces her family. I feel like she's also not the type to, you know, post like pictures of her with like other people for like clout or whatever. She kind of just keeps her main friend base and her family close. And that those are the people that she showcases. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she keeps her circle small. Yeah, it keeps her more authentic, I think. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I like what she did this time around with the bonus tracks or the new tracks on the deluxe version. She kind of put out these little video reels of each mm -hmm. song with like the title. And that was really trippy and really cool. What did you think of that? I've always gotten excited when she she's been doing this for a long time, just sharing the snippets before um, premiering her songs. But I feel like it's just kind of a tradition with more so for her fans. Um, obviously to get people excited about the deluxe version, but I feel like that's more of a thing that she kind of shares with her fans. And yeah, so that's always really exciting. So yeah, this deluxe version came with four new tracks. It came with mm -hmm. Test Drive, 3435, The Remix, Worst Behavior, and Main Thing. And I like what Ariana did too, is that she kept the order of the original album and then just fed into these bonus tracks with the interlude, Someone Like You. So what do you think about how she structured that? Like, do you think it flowed really well? Do you think the album still kind of, you know, like stands on its own with this, like these tracks adding even more to it? I think the album would stand perfectly on its own. I do really like the addition of the tracks. I think when you listen from the last track POV into the Someone Like You interlude and all the way through, it makes sense. I think sonically it makes sense. Lyrically, it does make sense. And I say that because I said that the last couple of songs on Positions kind of talked about being comfortable, falling in love again. And then all of these tracks kind of have that same theme where she's like in love and happy. And you can tell that she wrote them among those other tracks. And she said it herself that she would replace Love Language at the very end with Test Drive. So I just felt like it fit perfectly at the end of the album. I don't really think it could have gone anywhere else. Yeah, which of those tracks do you think is your favorite? Mm. I really am torn between worst behavior and main thing. Mm. I feel like worst behavior kind of has a little bit of an attitude to it, which I really like. And then main thing just has that classic butterflies in the stomach, like pop R&B kind of sound. I liked worst behavior too, listening to it because it sounded a little bit different, even sonically. And just like you said, it has kind of an attitude to it, um, mm -hmm. which is something we're not unfamiliar from her. Like she definitely has yeah. songs like that, like the whole Seven Rings album, you could argue. Um, but yeah, what do you think in terms lyrically and conceptually, what are some of those songs kind of represent? Like you kind of touched upon it a little bit about love and accepting love, but let's talk a little bit more about some of those tracks. Well, 
this album kind of reflects her place in life right now. You know, she she's going to get married again. She's been with this guy for, we don't really know how long, but he's making her happy. And you can tell that through her lyrics in Test Drive. She's saying, you don't need to test drive nothing. Like she, like she knows this is the real deal. Worst behavior, she talks about kind of how she has this authentic connection with this person, but she doesn't need to make any posts about it or like make it public because I feel, I mean, I feel like she's been through a lot sharing her relationships publicly and then having them not go well and then, you know, getting the scrutiny and everything. So she kept most of this relationship very private. And I feel like that's what she wrote the song about. Someone like you, I miss that, that one, it reminded me a lot of, um, not to be controversial, but in Sweetener, when she uh, wrote the little interlude about Pete Davidson called Pete Davidson. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just about how she's happy and it was harmonies and like butterflies. And that's what that reminded me of. And then main thing kind of just wraps it all up. Like he's her main thing. Like she found this person that she doesn't have to second guess or question. So I feel like all of these songs kind of carry that similar, like, this is my person. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to worry about what people think about it. So I feel like that's what it carries lyrically. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, too, thinking just about the title and obviously the lead single off the album positions is very telling because kind of what you were alluding to, her fulfilling all these different positions in, you know, like a relationship or just in life. I think that's kind of... And you can correct me if I'm wrong. Like you're the Ariana Grande expert here, clearly. I feel like that was her whole like concept for this album was saying, how is she fulfilling as much as she can in all these different aspects of her life? I felt like that too. And I also feel like it's kind of a cool, when you think about like the play on words with some of the album titles, like um, with positions like 34, 35, that's like a sexual position um but we also have 630 she's like argue down what's up like that's another position i feel like it also carries lyrically how you can hear her growth from one mentality to another the switch in positions like there i feel like there's a lot of ways to interpret that there which is i think what makes a great art and my next question is going to be how do you think she has grown as an artist specifically with positions other than being more true to herself, she's also vocal producing and helping produce the music as well and writing a lot more. I think when you look at the credits for the last four songs, it was just her that wrote them. So she is really coming into her own and personalizing her music and making it exactly what she wants. And I feel like she's at a stage in her career where she can do that and it'll be appreciated. And she's taking notes from what she's seeing I think like criticisms from the album or like fans will say I love this but I want to see more of this like after thank you next like great storyline um great music it was fantastic and the fans were like you know we kind of want to hear this but we want to hear you sing more like she did before and then she comes back on positions and she's doing the same thing she's telling her story And she's being expressive at the same time, you know, she's saying the entire final chorus of my hair in the whistle register, like, and she's like belting and off the table, like she, so she really just delivers what people want now. And I think it's really cool that she really listens to that and is trying to create the best possible version of herself for her fans. I'm glad you mentioned her singing capabilities, because that was the thing that struck me most about this album when I first listened to it is that. I'm not going to lie, I wasn't a huge fan of it when I first heard it. I felt like some of the tracks did kind of sound very similar, and I felt like she wasn't doing 
as much as I know she can in terms of singing. But once I started hearing the tracks where she's in that whistle register, I kind of like I remember sitting back and being like, there there she is. You know, that's yeah. that's what she can do. And I think she should be doing more of that. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing that she always does, she creates all these like beautiful harmonies. It's like she is the choir behind herself. And I think that's another thing that I really love to hear. Yeah, and there's other artists that have done that too. Like I always think of Sam Smith as being that one mm -hmm. artist who like really when they first came out, like they really did that, you know? And yeah. so many other artists have done that too, like just across the spectrum of pop and R&B and soul music. And I I think so too, like Ariana's really good at doing that layering. And I think that comes into what you said earlier about her being more true to herself and putting out her own music or being her own producer and things like that. So those kinds of technicalities are definitely coming into fruition on positions like it's getting better and better. I would absolutely agree with that. It's another it's another thing that almost like reminds me of Mariah too, but Ariana has a has her way of making it her own and you have to go back to a track and listen to it over and over again and pay attention to like a different ad lib or run that she does and it it sounds different every time and that's the other reason why I love her music is that you go back and find all these different things. Would you say that makes her stand out among other artists that are at the top of the charts currently? It does. I've always felt like Ariana stands out vocally in ways that a lot of artists nowadays just can't. And it's just, she's so fluent in how she can go through any genre of music and sound beautiful. You know, so I feel like her talent definitely does set her apart from all these other artists. It's very rare that you see an artist with that kind of capability every generation. I I think of it as like that voice that comes every, you know, couple mm -hmm. of years or so. I feel like you could trace it back to like Whitney Houston and then Mariah Carey. Yeah. And then you have like Christina Aguilera and now you have Ariana Grande. Yeah. And all, all of them were labeled like the voice of their generation. Absolutely. And it's kind of funny how they all kind of do similar types of music or they're all like compared to one another. But that's also just people's tendencies. And they all cite each other as influences, too. Exactly. I think that's important to make note of. Yeah. I really think that it's awesome to see that evolution, too, of these people that are so inspired by each other and so talented. They take what we see as, like, the voice, and then they evolve it and make it their own, and that becomes a huge part of their legacy. Yeah, and Ariana Grande is definitely one of those people, too, that is, she's kind of, like you said, taking owner of ownership of her career and her voice and her music so she's definitely yeah. gonna be she's gonna have a long career I can definitely anticipate that she is and I feel like she's not even done being at her peak right now yeah I don't I don't think so either so what did you think of the um 3435 remix video with Doja and Megan what do we think of that the video was fun I feel like a lot of people expected a little bit more from it but I it was honestly what I expected it to be like it was just Ari and Megan Doja like having fun looking good like just showing themselves off I thought it was awesome and Doja Cat and Megan Thee Stallion are two artists that I'm obsessed with right now as well so I think when I saw that collaboration announcement I was so excited and when I heard it I thought it flowed very well actually Megan's verse had to grow on me a little bit just mm -hmm. because you know Doja can fit onto anything I feel like Megan I've kind of heard her do the like girls in the hood savage like it was very up in your face very confident it was awesome and then Ariana has this kind of like fairy tale trap. It takes a couple listens to understand Megan in that song, but I, I thought that 
this collaboration was great all in all. Yeah, Megan Thee Stallion has one of those rap voices that is just so assertive and she's so confident in her presentation and her delivery that I could definitely see that. And I think I thought yeah. the same thing too when I first heard it was, yeah, Doja Cat's verse like flowed a little bit better. Megan's verse, like it stood out, but it didn't stand out to the point where it was like falling off the ledge. Like I think it was yeah. still in the box. It was almost like, is this the right song? But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And like you said, the video too was just, it was just chill. Like I thought it was funny that it was just them. Like I think at the end they're in like a hotel room or a motel room, whatever, like ordering like room service, but they're still baked like Alaska. Yeah, yeah. Like baked Alaska desserts, champagne, but they're still like dressed up. And like, for some reason the bathroom is like really nicely tiled. Yeah. <laughs> they all fall asleep. Yeah. In, like, Megan's the same like bed. twerking in the hot tub. Yeah, it was just it was interesting to say the least. But yeah, like kind of what you said, not th something you would expect from them, just kind of like them being themselves and just looking amazing as always. Yeah, exactly. It's, and it's a remix. Like I didn't really expect the whole like Dave Myers production. Like it, it was literally just them ha like having fun. Yeah, I feel like her other music videos are more for that. So kind of going back to the whole album now, are there any songs on there that stick out to you specifically or you have a like very like specific connection to? The first song I connected to was My Hair just because it sounds very like old neo soul, like the 90s R&B, like, you know, that's the kind of like Mariah-esque Ariana that like, it just seems very nostalgic. So that was the first one I connected to, but honestly, 34, 35, I really like that. It just makes me really happy. Um, same with Just Like Magic. I feel like Just Like Magic might be my favorite song. Same thing, pop R&B vibes. It's about like manifesting something and just how letting it happen and embracing the fact that, you know, you get everything you want because you radiate good light into the world, you know? So that song, I feel like you can put on at any time and it's gonna lift my spirits. So I would say that Just Like Magic is the one that I connect with most. It's funny because that song has been like stuck in my head for the past week for absolutely no reason. I don't know why. Like I literally had not even listened to the song in a while. And for some reason, it was just ingrained in my brain. Yeah, no, it has a catchy chorus, too. And that's what I love about it. Positions Deluxe is out now. It's still on the charts for everybody that hasn't mm -hmm. been paying attention or if you're just living under a rock. Last time I checked, the album was at number seven, but who knows, that probably will go up again. <laughs> Maybe she'll get the yeah. deluxe back at number one. And then Positions and 34, 35 are both in the top 10. So we still got some time on the Positions era from Ariana Grande. So we'll probably oh, be yeah. listening to her stuff for quite some time. I'm also curious to see how, like, I know she doesn't really care about like charts and numbers, but obviously like she hits them. Um, so. I was really curious how the deluxe tracks were going to perform because they occupied the top four spots on iTunes this week. Mm -hmm. so yeah. I was really curious how that was going to turn out. That's definitely going to be interesting. Probably within the next week or two, we'll probably see where those tracks will land. And I won't, I, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up being on there too at some point. Oh, me either. Yeah. Well, thank you, Alex. This was a great talk talking about Ariana Grande's positions. Of course. Thank you. Thank you. Um, everybody should stream the album as well. I have it here. Stream it, <laughs> download it, buy the physical copy like Alex, you know, however you mm -hmm. get your music, go check it out. It is a good album. Like I said, I'm not the biggest Ariana Grande fan, but I will gladly endorse her. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, thanks again. All right. Thank you, David.
And that's the rotated review. Want to join me for the next review? Send in your suggestions to the on podcast at gmail.com. You can also hit me up on Twitter at the on or Instagram at on podcast. Make sure you hit that follow button while you're at it. To read this review fully, see my blog, or listen to past episodes, log on to onrotationpodcast.wordpress.com. And now it's time to take a look at what popped this week in news. Kim Kardashian is struggling with the end of her seven-year marriage to Kanye West. Although Kim and Kanye have been separated for months, it was still emotional for Kim to actually file for a divorce, one source was quoted saying. Kim does not believe that Kanye's battle with bipolar disorder will interfere with the couple co-parenting their four children. Daft Punk addressed the end of their career in a video titled Epilogue, uploaded on February 22nd. While no specific reason has been given for the split, the video shows the duo walking away from each other and initiating a self-destruct button. Since then, Daft Punk streams have gone up nearly 500%, with album sales soaring past 2,000%. Their career lasted 28 years. And new developments in a lawsuit against actor Shia LaBeouf have risen, as actress Margaret Qualley voiced her support for singer FKA Twigs. Twigs originally filed a lawsuit for sexual battery, assault, and infliction of emotional distress against LaBeouf back in December. The singer made multiple headlines this week as she detailed her experience on CBS This Morning and in Elle magazine. Quali separated from LaBeouf last month. And that's going to do it for this episode. Keep it real, y'all, and keep streaming on rotation. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.